Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. We seek to encourage the local church to grow in right belief and right action by meditating on our infinite God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Philip Long. And my name is Alex Cook. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Alex. Hey, Philip. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing better than I deserve. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful to be back with you. This is officially the start of season two. Yes. Yeah, I'm season, excited. Season two. Uh, yeah, season one, we did 10 episodes yep. and got to interview some cool people. Yeah. Talk about some cool things. And I'm grateful to be back with you. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the date we'll post this. Yeah. But Lord willing, sometime fall 2020. Yep. And excited about what's what's to come. Yeah. So, so um, well, let's get right to it. I'm gonna reread our mission statement. Yeah. And uh, and so our mission statement about this podcast is to encourage the local church to right thinking and right action by meditating on God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. So. We did, you know, we last season we approached our infinite God and tried to get a better grasp of who God is and looked at the attributes of God and uh, different things in church life. And so um, I think it would be helpful this season to maybe talk about something else. Yeah. And so what what would that be? Yeah, so what we've mapped out is to spend a little more time talking about the local church so in our mission statements, we said the podcast exists to encourage the local church. Yep. And so we want to spend some time uh, looking into that. Who, who, who and what is the church, a healthy church? What do we do? Why do we do it? Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, the purpose is still the same. We're still trying to talk about God and glorify God. Uh, but if we're addressing this to the church, then, then who, who are we talking about? And and truthfully, we live out our faith, and we'll talk about this, but we live out our faith as a part of a church. Yep. And so uh, what, does that, what does that really mean? That's kind of what we're trying to get at with... Yeah, and there's church. a lot of misconceptions yeah. about what the church is, what the church is not, right. what people think the church should do, yep. what God actually commands the church to do. Yeah. And yep. so I think it would just be helpful because honestly, like... Um, it wasn't that long ago, and I'm still learning like to be able to answer what is the church biblically. Yeah. Yep. And so I think it'd be helpful. I know yeah. I could benefit from it. Yeah, it's a really good thing. Yeah, And we, we figured out that if you just Google the definition of a church or, or what is the church, this is the, the first thing that pops up is a building used for public Christian worship. So, Alex, uh, yes. is Google correct? Is that uh, a biblical or Christian <laughs> definition? Is it about the building that we get to come to? Yeah, so... Um, I, the, <laughs> you said, it's, yeah. It's funny <laughs> that if you Google, uh, that's what pops up. It yeah. says, what, a building used for public Christian worship. Right. So I guess Google did not check with the Bible right. when they wrote that def- <laughs> that answer because yeah. that's not the way the Bible talks about the church. Right. Right. I understand functionally people refer to, hey, I'll meet you up at the church. Yeah. They mean yep. the building. And so I understand why Google would say that. But 
we're making it clear that's definitely not the way the Bible talks about it. It's not biblical. No, no. So help us understand that a little bit. Okay, so the word church, it, it's, it comes the Greek word ekklesia. Yeah. And so ekklesia is, it's, it's not, the church, ekklesia is the church, and the church is a people, not a place. Yeah. And so I see two major ways that that term is uh, used in the Bible. Yeah. And so one is the universal church, and that just yeah. means the entire body of Christ throughout the world. The, the Christians in hiding uh, in China who are worshiping God, yeah. to those in Peru on top of the Andes Mountains who are worshiping God, yeah. to those people who gather in Pickens and Fountain in South Carolina. Yeah. Everybody, all of those Christians are united in the universal church. Yeah. The, and, and you're including people from 100 years ago. Yes. And... Lord willing, if he does not return 100 years from now. Yeah. So throughout time, space, history. Yeah, and really, we see that in the Bible in Revelation where it says a multitude who right. no one could number, yeah. a myriad upon myriad or thousands upon thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that That is the body of Christ, the universal yep. body of Christ. Yes, yep. And But it also uses the term in the Bible, uh, ecclesia is used for the local body. Yep. It's talking about like that local body of believers in Berea. Yeah. Or and I'm not talking about like outside of Greenville. <laughs> right. I'm talking about Well, there is a local body there too. But <laughs> that's yes. true. But in yes. uh and so there's the the local body is referred to in the Bible as the church. And we see that. And it's really what we're gonna be diving into today. Yeah. Um and so also, I find this helpful is I found a couple of definitions for the church, like one statement one sentence definitions for the church. And so one is, uh, and I think this is from, I got this from Mark Dever. It says, the definition of a church is found in the character of God. Hmm. And so what that's saying is, is like the church is God's people. It should reflect God. And yeah. so I think it's timely. We talked about some of the attributes of God last right. season. Right. And so we talked about God's holiness. Yeah. Well, the church should reflect that. God's people right. should reflect that. Um, I asked my wife when I was uh, kind a of great studying. source of wisdom. <laughs> yes. Uh, I asked my wife, I was like, so, so Candace, what is the church? And she, she, I, I don't want to say she caught me off guard because she does say profound, deep things. Yeah. And so, but she said, uh, it's God's people binding together for the great commission and the greatest commandments. Nailed it. Was, she nailed really it. Really good. Now, and she said she got some of that from, or most of that from Matt Chandler. Okay. And so, but I think that's really helpful. God's yep. people binding together for the great commission and the greatest commandments. I like it. I to like love it. God and to love one another. And then I think maybe one of the simplest ways to define the church is just love. Right. A, pro a proper Christian definition of love. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, the Bible talks about building one another up. is like we love one another. We love yep. God. If we're pursuing love, love for God and love for others, mm -hmm. then we are trying to act like the church. Yep. And then... This definition, and I think you wrote this one down. Yeah, it's uh, and I don't, I can't remember where you got this one from, but it says regenerate people of God, meaning basically we're Christians, we're saved, we're not lost anymore. Regenerate, mm -hmm. regenerate people of God, saved by the power of God, for the purposes of God in this world. Yeah, yeah, I got that from a, a an article from uh, Desiring God, their ministry, uh, a past Pastor Jeff. Uh, Vanderstelt, and uh, he he gave that definition. I thought that was really helpful, just a concise 
three things regenerate saved by the power of god for the purposes of god yeah, yeah. i think that's helpful now uh definitions are great but let's get to the bible because if it's not Good in choice. the bible it doesn't really matter Good choice. and so what are, what does the bible say about the church yeah so i'll reiterate what you just said about universal and local because if you just if you go to that uh word using you know blue letter bible or or something and just look for it. Usually, the two major ways that the Bible talks about the church is either in a in a small context, in a reference to a specific city, uh, you know, to the church in Philippi or to the church in Thessalonica, mm-hmm. and so that's a that's the, what we're just saying—a gathered group of people together. But there's also references to the church all throughout Judea and Samaria, etc. Or, or Herod uh, was was persecuting, you know, going after members of the church. And so that's using it in a more general way, not just in one specific location. Yep. And so that seems to be the way the Bible talks about the church. But the Bible also talks about, outside of just using that one word, church, the Bible talks about the people of God using a variety of, of metaphors that I think yep. are really beautiful and helpful yep. for understanding who the church is. So one of those is just a reference to being the, the people of God. Uh, and so you see that, especially in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. where it talks about, you know, these are my people. Uh, he, he tells Hosea, I will call them my people who are not yet my people. I will call her my loved one who is not yet my loved one. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They shall be called children of the living God. Mm. So this is what we're talking about. The church, we're talking about God's people. And so we're not, that's not limited to a, a nationality or ethnicity or language yeah. or tribe. These are God's people. Uh, and so a, a similar de- description would be the bride of Christ. Yep. Uh, you know, Ephesians 5 uh, talks about uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word, uh, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So this is the, the one for whom Christ died. That's yep. a good definition of the yeah. church, the one for whom Christ died. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, a beautiful way. Uh, another way it comes up, uh, Paul writes about it in Ephesians 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. He describes the, the church as the body of Christ. Yep. So Christ is the head, we are the body, which is pretty cool um, because we have, that just helps us understand the nature of the church, who mm-hmm. we are, what we do. You know, for all us, these metaphors, they, yeah. they serve a purpose in helping us understand the function and what we should yes. do with the church. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and Paul goes into diving into that. Sorry, I'm answering the question. For no, you. that's Go great. Ahead. That's that's you're absolutely right. And we'll this will be all season long. We'll kind of reference back to these kind of same things, but just briefly laying the, the framework there. To be the body means we are unified. Yep. But we are distinct. We are different. And so yep. he uses the illustration of. You know, the, the the eye does not say to the hand, you know, why can't you do the things I do, that kind of stuff. It's that we all, we are united in Christ and that we're all together, we're collectively together. We have one united purpose, yep. but our gifts and talents are all used in very distinct ways. And yep. so that's a really helpful metaphor. Um, another way to, the Bible talks about us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Uh, and you're referencing back to, to Dever's point about uh, reflecting God's holiness, uh, we we are meant to be a place of, of holiness. Not that we are already holy; we are a hospital for sinners. Yeah, we're saints in that Christ has died for us and made us His own. But we are sinners in the sense that we are still being transformed into yeah. the image of God. 
but we are called to 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 live a certain way. First Peter two talks about us being uh, that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Uh, all right, one more. The flock. I'm getting yes. too many here. There's but another way we're described as the flock. First mm-hmm. Peter five shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Yep. So He's telling a church leader to take care of this this group, this yep. this collective gathering, the flock of God. Uh, Peter's told to feed my sheep. Jesus tells him to feed my sheep. Yep. Um, Acts 20 is Paul speaking to the church, to the church leaders from Ephesus. And he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So there it is, back to back, church and flock yep. used, used together. So all that to say, there's the Bible, th- this group of people is so significant to the Bible uh, and to God's heart, that He just uses all that to describe the church. Yeah. So, is that helpful? Is that too many? Absolutely. Okay. And one thing I want to point out is because um, a lot of Christians I hear think it's okay to not really be a part of a local yeah. church. Yeah. And it's like none of these these metaphors work. No. Nope. For like a sheep outside of a flock. <laughs> yeah. Like he's not yeah. a part of the flock. No, like he's in if major danger. If there's a body and you cut the hand off, right? The hand is no longer a part of the body. Not healthy. No, like there's nowhere in the Bible is it okay for this the Lone Ranger Christian mentality. Yeah, and so it's just like I'm reminded of that listening to these biblical metaphors. Yeah, yeah, and that's helpful, and we can come back to that because there's a lot to unpack. But the that is totally true. That there it's. There's no real way to live in obedience to the New Testament apart from being uh, connected to the local church. If, yeah. if we, if and there's always, you know, you, you you move, different life seasons happen where for a short season you're disconnected. But in the long run of a Christian's life, if you're not actively pursuing being a part of a member uh, a member of the local church, then then you're not. There's no way to live out in obedience. Uh, live in obedience to the New Testament. Yep. Yeah. So help me understand just a little bit, because there's a lot in our world today. There's a lot of things that, you know, make up church or different people do it a lot of different ways. So kind of try to uh, help me understand this. What do you really need to be a local church? Like <laughs> you and I are two Christians, and we're yep. in the same room. So is this a church? Are we a church? Like what? <laughs> what's the difference between a handful of fellow Christians and a local church? Yeah. So in researching that, I came across. Um, a thing called the Belgic Confession. Oh, yeah, of course. Everybody knows that one. <laughs> you know, the Belgic Confession. When you sent me this, I was like, really, Alex? You find the most <laughs> random things. Tell me about the Belgic Confession. So I was researching it, and I, I found a consensus among people I respect who define the church in these three ways. That okay. the church should have right preaching and teaching. Yep. One. Two, the ordinances. And what I mean by ordinances is the Lord's Supper, communion, and baptism. Yep. Okay? And then three, church discipline. Church what? Church discipline. Am I in trouble, Alex? <laughs> what is church discipline? Well, you could be. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, church discipline is where... Uh, well, let's go back to that uh, sheep flock metaphor. Uh, church discipline is... And I really like that metaphor with the flock because it really... We can define all three of these with it. Yeah is do you want wolves in the flock? No way. Yeah, I mean, what do wolves do? Wolves will kill the sheep. Right. And if you want to keep it a flock of sheep, do you allow goats in it? Right. No way. No. And so you keep it pure. And that's what God commands us to do. In fact, 
uh, I've heard this from Paul Washer. He said, when people say, well, we're not going to do that church discipline. Church discipline is where basically you cut out the cancer from the body. Yeah. There's something... So you're talking about calling out sin. Well, in Corinthians, it yeah. talks about someone who claimed to be a Christian. He was sleeping with his father's wife. Right. And Paul right. says, kick him out of the church. Right. Now, there's room for repentance. If this person repents yeah. and says, I was in the wrong yeah. and stops what they're doing, yeah. there's place back in the church to step back in. Yeah. But um, church discipline is cutting out the cancer. Someone who is just in unrepentant sin mm-hmm. and not like a gray area where... Um, you know, something that's not a huge issue, but a sin that is clearly commanded in the Bible not mm-hmm. to do. And this person claims to be a Christian and says, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we are called to cut them out of the church. And yeah, so, so Paul, that would be the very last step in church discipline would be the excommunication. Yeah. Yes. So Matthew 18 talks about yeah. uh, if, you, if you shoot brothers in sin, go to him. If he repents, you've won over your brother. If yep. he does not, you take two or three with you yep. and address the sin. So church discipline, I would say, is the whole category of addressing sin within the church. Yes. And so as both as brothers and sisters in Christ and also as leaders, all of us are called to help keep each other accountable. Yes. So church discipline is probably not a term that most people would use. And in part, that's because we don't practice this as often as we should. But yeah. All of us should be keeping each other accountable, which is a form of church discipline. But then the Bible specifically says, if you're not calling out sin and willing to repent, calling people to repentance, and then if they aren't repenting, saying you can't, you can't live out, you can't pretend to be a Christian and be living con- completely contrary and willingly contrary to the Bible yeah. and still be a part of a church. Yeah, and, and also to like, hear what I'm not saying. Yeah. Like, when people become Christians, they're not just automatically perfect. Right. Like, I have sin. I fight. Yes. yes. And and so there's an understanding. This It's a progression. Mm. It's not perfection. It's progression. And so when we're saved, we it's a new direction. Yeah. And so and, and if that new direction is being pursued, then we're going to continually repent yep. and turn away from sin. Yeah. And so... Paul Washer, I love what he says about this. He says so many churches will say, "Well, we're not going to do, we're not going to do that. We just, we just want to talk about Jesus's love. We mm-hmm. don't want to talk about that stuff." And he said, "What they're actually saying is that we know how to love better than Jesus, mm. because Jesus is the one who commands us right. to do church discipline. And so, if we want to be obedient to God, and if we truly want to love one another, church discipline can be one of the best things we." To do, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you were planning to chase that as much as you did, but you gave me those three: preaching, uh, the ordinances, and church discipline. And of the three, I thought that one was probably the one that didn't make sense to the average person. Yeah, and so I'll just roughly, it's a, where this came from. Let's right. talk about this real quick. So this came about the Belgic Confession. Yes, you don't know when that came. You know, I just. <laughs> A little apparently a little rusty on my church history. <laughs> yeah. Please I, inform me. I think it's I don't have that written down, but I believe it's fifteen sixty one. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh only because I Googled it after you told me about it. Um fit, so fifteen sixty one. So just kind of give you a brief history of the church. Um so before the fifteen hundreds, mainly the church was the Catholic Church. Right. Roman Catholic Church. And so Martin Luther, 1517, he wrote down 95 things that was wrong with the Catholic Church. And some of the more heinous ones were 
basically the Catholic Church saying you can pay off sin. Yeah. And so Martin Luther, he was in the church, and his goal was not to start new churches, like a new denomination. His goal was to reform yeah. the Catholic Church and to get it, to cut out some of the bad things it was doing. And so, but what happened was the Catholic Church did not want to repent of those things, and then ultimately new denominations started from that. Yeah. And so during that time, out of rejection, the way they saw Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s, the Belgic Confession came up, and they uh, they saw some things that were wrong, and they said, "This is what it. These things need to be there to define a church. These yeah. three things. Yeah. And so, preaching ordinances and church discipline. And yeah. so, the preaching. And if we attach this, I like metaphors. They yeah. help me understand it. Illustrations, yeah. metaphors. And so, we can see all three of these in the flock mm. in that illustration." So if we have right preaching and teaching, that's leadership from the shepherd. He's guiding the sheep right. in which way to go. Using, feeding. Yeah, feeding the sheep, yeah. using the Word of God, yeah. the Bible. And and so that's huge. Yeah. And so and that's what we see in preaching every Sunday. That's, yeah. that's the shepherd of the local congregation feeding the sheep yeah. the Word of God. Yeah. And I'd argue, at least if, if we're limiting to those three things that Within this, the whole, all the the ministry of the word, and so we take all all the teaching ministry. Yes. Every you know, yep. teaching our children, teaching the students, teaching yep. uh, small group studies, having discussions around the word, yep. uh, praying the word, and really, you could if, if we're taking this in general, the ministry of the word includes the worship service. You yep. know, like so, I would incorporate if if we take that. As one of the you know main things, the ministry of the word within the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and also too, we're going to spend uh, not next podcast, but the one after that. Yeah. We're really going to dive into what it's a healthy church right. do. Right. And so these three things, I would if these if a church can be doing these three things and be an unhealthy church. That's true because it doesn't say anything about mission or evangelism. Right. Right. Uh, it, one of many things that we need to have a healthy church, right. and so, but this is just something that we see in church history that Christians have used to define a church, and so I find it helpful. Here. Yeah, yeah, because we're distinguishing between just a couple of people hanging out and actually forming a local church. Yeah, and also too, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. Is like all the things the church is doing, where we see that teaching, yeah, um, and and what we see in the worship service, but all those things are grounded in the Word of God, yep. the Bible being used to feed the sheep. Yep. Okay, so that's the preaching, teaching element. Uh, the second one, ordinances. Yeah. So we kind of briefly touched on it, but even that, baptism mm. and communion, Lord's Supper, those we see in the illustration of the flock. Because that, okay, so we as Baptists, we believe that if you are saved, shortly after that conversion... Mm-hmm. Going from unsaved to saved, you are to be baptized. Right, your entrance into the family of God, and that's the difference. Yeah. That's going from a goat to a sheep. Yep. In that illustration. Yep. And so that's kind of initiation into the flock, but then also staying in the flock. We see fellowship. Yeah. Grouping together, and that's yeah. the Lord's Supper. Yep. That fellowship eat, around the table. Yeah, yeah. Fellowship around the table, communion together. Uh, uh, reflecting on the promises of God. Yeah. And that's what communion is. Yeah. 
Jesus saying, take this bread, how my, my body's broken for you. Yeah. Take this uh, wine, we're Baptist, Welch's grape juice, <laughs> and drink it yeah. and to remind yourself of the blood yes. that he spilt on our behalf. Yeah. And so it unifies us yeah. as a flock. It's good. So I found that, that, that illustration helpful to kind of understand these three. That's good. Um, okay, so I got a question for you then. Yeah. Um, as we're defining church here, and so we said it's not a building, yep. but it's a people. So is an organization, just any organization of Christians, a church? Hmm. Like so uh, the IMB, International Mission Board, that's a group of Christians. Is that a church? Or uh, a seminary? Does a seminary, is that what makes church? Right, that's good. So uh, what has been called parachurch organizations. Yep. And so para, that prefix, meaning uh, alongside of or beside or near the yep. church. And so um, a parachurch organization, like a missions organization or a campus ministry organization, these are uh, organizations that are working outside of the, the organization of a local church. So it's, yep. it's outside, it's beside and it probably almost always is across multiple local churches, maybe even across different denominations. And it's so that that organization can specialize in and accomplish uh, certain things that an individual local church, especially a small local church, couldn't do by themselves. So take, you know, Infinity is probably just an average, you know, sized local church. It would be hard for us to organize, for example, the education, the full education that a pastor would need. So mm-hmm. somebody, if somebody in Infinity Church uh, feels called and God calls them into full-time ministry, vocational ministry, or missions ministry, we can do things to help this person. But there are also things that I, that I can't do to help somebody be trained up the way they should be. Um, and so I need some help. I'm going I'm to split hairs with you. You right are going to. I knew. I saw the look on your face. I, I, I think. I don't know if I disagree, but I would. I would make some clarifications because the church has everything it needs to equip the saints for what God has commanded us to do. And so I would say that, like seminaries and IMB, they're they're meant to help the church do what God's already called them to do. Yeah, I guess so. Where I was going to balance my answer at the end of it (laughs) (laughs) was that uh, the danger in a parachurch organization is then to become an entity all on its own and separate from the local church. So where, so we, we talked about this, I think at one point, maybe even on this podcast about Camp McCall Mm -hmm. is a parachurch organization. We're not a church. You're not a church, but you serve the local church. And so we partner together to help give people discipleship opportunities and evangelism opportunities and ultimately missions opportunities in a unique way that you on the side of a mountain in sunset south carolina you can do that in a unique way that that we can't here on fairview street road and in in, uh we exist to equip and help the church right come alongside like you said the church yeah and so it's it's hard for a local church to be able to do a lot of really good things. You know, having a dynamic campus minister and campus ministry on a college campus. Yeah. I mean, such a unique time in, in students' lives. That's such an important ministry. And we at Infinity don't have the capacity, the bandwidth yep. to do that. However, we can support alongside a bunch of other churches yep. uh, that ministry. And so, same thing with International Mission Board, which is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. 
all these Southern Baptist churches collectively can do missions more effectively yep. when we partner together to do it. And so, uh, but it is important, all these parachurch organizations are not the church, and we we have to keep coming back to the local church and making sure that, because yep. all those things are not ordained by God. Having a missions board, having a seminary, yeah. all those things, none of those are, are in the Bible. The church is in the Bible. Yes. And so, and the church is called to be the church. So yep. if they're no longer serving the church, and I mean that both universally and locally, yep. then they've, they've gotten off track, yep. if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And I would even argue if they're trying to do it, like they may be trying to do good things, but they're, if they're trying to do it outside of the local church right. on their own, right. they've gotten away from yep. what God has commanded. Yep. yep, I agree. What would you say to the person who says that, why would I want to go to church? The church is filled with sinners and hypocrites. Yeah, it's good. I thought this a minute ago when we were talking about uh, somebody that is trying to be a lone ranger Christian, but this is a little bit different a question, not from somebody who necessarily wants to be just doing their own thing, but somebody specifically who looks at the church and says, you guys, you're no different than the world. Yeah. You know, you, you've, or maybe they, maybe they have specific hurt from individual Christians. Yeah. Usually there's some kind of background yeah. of some interaction or they, or even just, there's, you know. Unfortunately, people have been hurt by the church. Yeah. Yeah. Christians and non-Christians yeah. have been hurt by the church. And uh, so either a specific encounter with somebody who hurt them or uh, just the way Christians are portrayed you know, in media yeah. or something like that. And they think, what a bunch of losers, you know, yeah. what a bunch of uh, sinners and hypocrites. And uh, what you said a minute ago when we were talking before and about you know, Mark Dever uh, commenting that we at least we, we acknowledge our sin. So yeah. Christians are not are not people who have fully gotten rid of sin. Yeah. Christians are people who can name it. We are sinners. Yeah. Uh, we we absolutely have messed up and continue to mess up. The difference is we've been forgiven. Yeah. And that's a we don't try to hide it. At least Christians shouldn't. Right. Right. Uh, so we 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 are a part of the local church, and we invite anybody uh, to to come and to participate in, and who have been saved to be a member of and to be connected to the local church because. We're, we're helping one another better see Jesus and better glorify Him. And uh, to, to do that, one is just in obedience. You said this earlier, in, in obedience to Christ. He's called us to be a part of the church. You know, Hebrews yeah. 10 about not neglecting yeah. uh, to meet together. There's a, there is a calling to live out our faith together as the church. And if we're yeah, if we're not gathering, we, we can't we can't do that. And so when we when somebody looks at the church and says, Yeah, you guys are sinners, we say, Amen. Yeah. We are sinners yeah. and we know our Savior. Yeah. I'm not it, you're not it, Jesus is it. Yeah. And we all desperately need him. So that's that I think is uh, how I look to somebody who says we're sinners. Yeah, I love what Mark Dever he answered this question with an illustration. And uh, at the end of it, he was explaining basically that. And yeah. he said, um, yeah, the difference is, um, you know, we in the church, we know we're sinners. And we're not trying to make excuses for it. Our Savior is just a lot greater. Mm. And he said, and you know what? There's room. Yeah. There's room for you. Yep. Other sinners to come and find forgiveness. Yeah. What you said is really helpful because next time someone would say that to me, like, hey, why am I going to go to church if it's just filled with a bunch of hypocrites and sinners? It's like, yeah, 
I know. And you are too. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we're all sinners. Right. We all fall right. short of the glory right. of God. Yep. And the church is not saying, oh, uh, we're not sinners anymore. We're saying like, no, we found the, we found the answer. Mm. It's like, and I think you referred to this earlier, is that the, the church is not just a place for a bunch of saints, but it's a yeah. hospital for sinners. Yeah, the, it's the like, cliche is we're not a museum of saints. Yeah. We're a hospital of sinners, yeah. yeah. And so we're beggars who have found bread yeah. trying to tell other beggars yeah. where you can find bread. Yeah. It's just other people outside the church don't think they're beggars. Yeah. They, don't, yeah. they don't see their need. Yeah. And people in the church should be saying, yeah, we, we're filled with sinners. Yeah. And we're broken, and we found healing. We found yeah. a doctor. Amen. And there's room. You can come too. Amen. Amen. So I think that's that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, we touched on a lot of things, and I think there's a lot of room uh, to expand and define other things. Uh, and so hopefully over the course of this season, we're going to be able to dive into that and also interview some people yeah. that uh, are, have connections to the church and can help us answer some of these questions because specifically we're thinking about you, our, our, our audience here on this podcast. We're thinking, hey, many of you are, are a part of the church and you're serving in the church, you're leaders in the church, uh, you're teachers in the church, or you're just exploring the church. And we want, we want to better equip you to be able to do that for the glory of God. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Alex, season two is officially underway. Yes. Episode one. And until next time, let's dwell on our infinite God. Amen. Amen.